0: So, it is now um, an honor and pleasure to introduce our speaker, Mr. Chris Ullman. Mr. Ullman is Director of Global Communications at the Carlisle Group, an investment firm based in Washington, D.C. He is an Ocrest dad, the father of Olydia. Lydia. He has an amazing gift for whistling, and he has brought this gift to the highest level. He's a four-time national and international whistling champion, 94, 96, 99, and 2000. He's competed nine times at the national and international whistling convention and served as a judge twice, if I'm getting all this right. He has performed with major symphony orchestras, serenaded President George W. Bush in the Oval Office, whistled the national anthem at major league sporting events and entertained millions around the world on TV and radio. Mr. Ullman is the author of the inspiring and very well received memoir, Find Your Whistle, Simple Gifts, Touch Hearts and Change Lives, published last June. On a personal note, I was the very grateful and happy recipient of a birthday whistling message from Mr. Ullman. She came over the phone in the front office, and I can say that it is so great to be on the receiving end of such a message. I was going to say this personally, and I told him just earlier, I am tempted to request this birthday gift every year, but I I didn't realize it was such a long list of people who request this. But anyway, maybe I can get in there. Okay, so you all heard that. That's good. Jack, Thank you so much. Um, but anyway, I'm very pleased. We're very, very delighted and pleased to welcome him as our guest speaker this afternoon, Mr. Chris Ullman.
1: Thank you, <laughs> thank you very much, and I'm, I'm glad you all got the three too, okay, <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen it, it's in chapter three, anyway. Uh, so people often say to me, do you actually practice, and, and there's a competition for whistling, and I say, well of course, I mean, haven't you, you don't know, come on, you know. Um, <laughs> Well, they say, how did you get started? And I say, well, I started whistling when I was five years old. And this is hard to believe, but my golden whistling anniversary is in three weeks. I'll be 55, so the 50th anniversary of, of puckering and blowing is coming up. So I'm, I'm very <laughs> excited about that. So my father was a pretty good whistler, and I'd follow him around the house. And so that's actually how, how I learned to whistle. And then I had these key moments uh, throughout my life. And uh, when I was 13 to 16, I had a paper route, so I would... I would get on my bicycle and I'd go around delivering papers while whistling classical music. And back in those days, it was more of a volume thing than a quality thing. I never heard anyone say it was good. They just said they heard me coming. <laughs> um, and then when I was in college, I started whistling uh, with jazz and blues bands. Uh, and then I came to Washington in 1987, and I would go to open mic nights and start whistling uh, jazz and blues again. And inevitably, people would think it was kind of odd at first until they heard it, and they thought, well... It's different, but it's kind of cool. And I had this very key moment. I started, I I was on a hike in the Shenandoah National Park in 1992, and I was whistling, and a friend of a friend said to me, wow, you're really good. You should do something with that. And I said, well, I heard there's a competition, but I don't know much about it. And uh, so a mutual friend said, if it exists, I will find it. So she went to this place. It's a building, and they have, it's called a library, and they have books in it, which... Most people don't know what those are today, but back then, you actually, if you wanted to look something up, you had to go to a library. So she, sure enough, she found the National Whistler's Convention in a book of national events. So I signed up, and I competed, and I won a prize, and I thought, wow, there must be potential here. So I went back, as uh, Ms. Ortiz said, I went back eight more times, and I won the uh, national international championship four times. So uh, to paraphrase uh, Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead, uh, some of you know who he is, what a long strange trip it's been. Uh, <laughs> so because for the last uh, 30 plus years, I've been able to take this very simple gift, because whistling is not heroic, it is, it is simple. And I've been able to share it with people literally all around the world, and um, one of my favorite activities is whistling happy birthday for people, Miss Ortiz now on the list. And, um, but I do that around 500 times a year, and it's a real joy for me to be able to honor people's lives. And I've whistled in the Oval Office for George Bush, and I've whistled literally at the top of the Washington Monument on the outside while holding onto the, the silver uh, aluminum nose cone. That's, a long, that's in the book. It's a long story, but it's really cool. So it's been just this amazing, amazing journey of being able to take this very simple gift and share it with people. And what's been a great blessing for me is to see the reaction I I get from people when I share this simple gift with them. I had this chance to do a TED Talk. I bet many of you have heard of TED Talks. And uh, the organizer said, wow, this is really cool. We want you to do a talk. But then he paused and said, well, what would you say? And I said, well, I'm not sure what I'd say. Let me think about it. So I spent literally three months trying to ponder, why would anyone care that I whistle well? Some people still wonder about that. (laughs) But what I concluded was that I had all these great stories, whether it was in the Oval Office or at the top of the Washington Monument, whistling happy birthday for people. But there there was a theme that ran through it, was this whole notion of the simple gift, being able to take something that, that is special to you, that is unique to you, and to be able to share it with people and to bring some joy to their life and to be able to touch their heart or change their life in some way. And what was really interesting about it is that I, I thought, well, this isn't really that special. I'm not, I'm not a hero. Why will anyone care? And then I, I flipped it on its head and I said, that's really the whole point. I'm not a hero, just a whistler. But I've been able to take this very, very simple gift and be able to share with people and bring some joy to them. Whether they're the president in the Oval Office, bring a few moments of joy to the, the most harried, busy, stressed out person on the planet. And I met him eight years later, and he actually remembered those 20 minutes in the Oval Office. And so that really said to me that I planted this little seed, brought him a little bit of joy. So, so I do my TED talk. And th- thanks to my wife, she said, you need to write a book about this to capture all these really cool stories and then get this message out there that everyone has a simple gift. And it doesn't matter if you're uh, a, a little kid or you're, or you're a senior and you're about to graduate or you're a parent or you're a grandparent, everyone has something simple and special. And that's really the key. So I had this great time writing the book and reminiscing about all these stories and all these people I've met uh, throughout the time. So I'll tell you uh, my favorite story is, of course, whistling for George Bush in the Oval Office. So I, and I worked with that gentleman right there, Eric Pelletier, uh, in uh, in the executive office of the president. He remembers that day. And um, so I got summoned to the Oval Office with 15 minutes notice. I'd never met George Bush. I'd never been in the Oval Office. And I so I walk in, and there is the president, the most powerful human on the planet. And he's sitting at his desk. His feet are up on the desk, and he's leaning back. He's got an unlit cigar in his hand doing presidential things, I guess. and And then he looks at me. And he jumps up out of his desk, and he comes around, and he says, who taught you how to whistle? You sit? You stand? Do you need some water? And I was like, dude, no, I'm I'm moist and puckered. I'm ready to go, all right? So we whistle some songs. We have this just a really delightful time hanging out with the president. And at one point, uh, and for you classical music lovers, I think you'll appreciate this, Um, he said to me, he said, well, do something hard. And like, Everything I've been doing is hard. He's like, well, do harder. I want harder. You know? And that was my, my first real presidential directive was do something hard. And I said, OK. I said, how about some Beethoven? He said, uh, no, pardon, excuse me. He said, how about some Bach? And he said, no, 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 I don't like Bach. And then he said, "Ask the vice president. And meanwhile, Dick Cheney had walked in with like 10 other people. We had a, a concert going on in the Oval Office. So it was, it was a really, really cool experience. And I'm going to come back to that at the end of my talk. So from one very esteemed location, the Oval Office uh, in the White House, to a, a less auspicious place. Now, as uh, Ms. Ortiz mentioned, I love to whistle happy birthday. So here I was. I was in Istanbul, in Turkey. And I was on a jumbo jet that had left the gate. So we are taxiing towards the runway. And my phone rings, and it's my wife. And she says, hey, what's going on? I said, oh, well, we're taxiing, I, I I and can't, I can't talk. And she said, well, have you whistled for Becky? for happy birthday, and I, and I said, oh no, I said, I can't. I, we're about to take off, and she said, well, and, and Becky is our was our babysitter's mother. Now, anyone knows here, you gotta keep the babysitter's mother happy, otherwise you won't have date night anymore, and date night was very important to us, and I said, well, we're taxiing, I just can't do it, and she said, date night, and she hung up the phone, okay? <laughs> so I, I look around, and I see even the flight attendants are buckled in, so I said, well, date night's important, so I literally get up, I Run to the restroom, open a door. I speed dial Becky. Thankfully, I got her voicemail, and I deliver a very crisp, swift rendition of Happy Birthday. Then I flush for effect, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you know what those airplane toilets sound like. <laughs> uh, and I run back to my seat just as the plane is leaving the ground, and date night lives on. So, <laughs> so it was very, very. Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was, it was, um, it was one of the kind of the most special kind of bizarre things I've done, and, and the book is just riddled with those types of experiences. I'm going need to wet my whistle here because, is anyone celebrating a birthday? Either yesterday or today or this week? There's got to be some, oh, oh! Who are you, little one? Hi, Mary. Can you come up here with me, Mary? Let's hear it from Mary. Give me five. Yeah. Mary doesn't kid around. Has a world champion whistler ever serenaded you before? Okay. All right. Well, get ready. Here we go. You impressed yet? Happy birthday. Let's hear from Mary. You rock. Yeah. Thank you, sweetie. All right. <laughs> now, one of the things I, I try to do in the book, because I assume people would get tired of hearing about me, is I decided I would feature 10 other people whose simple gifts touched my heart. Because what, what, what I concluded throughout this whole, all my journey of whistling and writing the book and, and just talking about this concept of the simple gift is that we have a hero centric culture and we love our heroes. They could be rock stars or they could be sports heroes or I mean, you name it, there's a hero for, for everything, but, and I think a lot of times people expect the heroes to make the world a better place, you know, and they're doing their thing. But let me tell you folks, there are a lot more of us and there are a lot more problems than there are heroes who are able to solve all those problems. So it's really incumbent upon us to use not our, heroic, but our simple gifts. So this is very much a, a, um, an empowerment message of trying to get every person to think of what am I capable of doing to make the world a better place. Not the whole world, but just one person at a time. So of those 10 people that I feature, one of them is my mom, and her gift is empathy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you this excerpt here. what I do it is uh, these two page vignettes is a nice little pen and ink drawing of the person with how I met the person and what their gift is so my mom's name is Fran and her gift is empathy and this is how we met We met on May 9th of 1963 at 3.16 p.m. in the delivery room, all the moms will get this, of Peck Memorial Hospital in Brooklyn, New York, though I have no recollection of the blessed event. So here's my mom's whistle in action. So in our kitchen growing up hung a plaque. Great spirit grant that I might not criticize my neighbor until I have walked a mile in his moccasins. That well captures my mother's spirit of empathy, which pervades her thoughts and deeds. It's as if her own challenging childhood gave her a window into the hidden struggles that so many of us have. And when my siblings and I complained of annoying grade school classmates, mom's response was universally, be nice to them, they have problems at home. And though the response itself was frustrating to a preteen seeking validation of grievances, over time it seeped into my soul. Today, when I show compassion to someone in need, it's my mom's heart and love I'm channeling. Her empathy is so simple, but so mind-bogglingly deep. It comes from a complex place I will never fully comprehend, and it manifests itself in ways that are obvious and devoid of rationale, as pure love should be. It is instinctual and joyous. And because of her, I try hard to ask questions and actually listen to the answers. I've learned to extend a hand rather than a finger. I've seen that the journey is better if the shoes I'm wearing aren't always mine. So that's Fran Ullman, and, and her gift of empathy is very simple. But anyone who knows her in her 81 years of living has been touched by her simple gift. And there are uh, nine other people. I'm not going to read them all, but nine other people here I feature. There's a Catholic priest who sends out a daily email with a just a, a a, a one-minute video and a quote from a saint with uh, two sentences of reflection on it. And it's this very simple gift, but he, he's made a huge impact on my life. Uh, there's a, a gentleman who makes the best carrot cake in the world who used to work for me. And we haven't worked together in 20 years, but on New Year's Eve, every year, he makes a carrot cake for me because he knows it makes me happy. And it's just a simple thing. And there's a a young lady who makes this homemade Christmas card for our family every year. And we get lots of Christmas cards, but it's the one we like the most. And I remember calling her up and saying, I'm going to feature you in my book. And she was like, oh, no, 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 it's just a simple little thing. I said, that's the point. It's a simple thing. But it brings joy to our family. And we love to hang it up. And people often comment on it when they come in our kitchen and see it hanging there. And it's this this simplicity. That's what... I'm trying to get people to focus on. Excuse me. I'm going to give you um, an example of really the power of this. This is, this is really a very special kind of, uh, example to me of the power of the simple gift. So uh, as I've noted, I whistle happy birthday a lot. So I met a senior citizen probably almost 10 years ago uh, at a funeral. Uh, it was my godmother who passed away, and this was her best friend, her name is Jean. And so we got to chatting, and then Jean told me uh, um, about her friendship with my godmother. So I was, I was really moved that her best friend had passed away, and so I said, well, when's your birthday? I'm going I'm to call you up on your birthday and whistle for you. So f- every year, for 10 years, I, I now call up Jean on her birthday. A few years ago, I got her, it was a Saturday afternoon at around 3 p.m., and we chat for a few moments. And, and I said, well, well, how are you doing? And, and she said, well, you know, you're the first person I talked to today. And I thought, wow, how is that possible? Jeez, it's her birthday, and it's three in the afternoon on a Saturday. But I was the first person she had talked to. And it, it really struck me at that moment of the power of this simple gift is that in this giant city, in this big apartment building, in this small apartment was this woman all alone. And, you know, someone from afar called to say, you matter. And my gift gives me entree to be able to do that. And one of the key things that I'm trying to get people who read this book, and even if you don't read it, is to think of what am I capable of doing. And I want each of the young ladies here, and everyone else too, of course, but each of the young ladies to think of what am I capable of doing. One of the things my children have said to me is I need to write another book, which is how to find your whistle, because I spent most of the book talking about how I found mine and how I use it. And what I've thought is um, I've kind of distilled it down to a couple of things. And this is kind of what I hope the takeaway will be for each of you. Is to not think heroically, but to actually think small. I mean, we have a society where we're always telling people, "Think
2: big, go big,
1: do this." You know, it's the superlatives; everything's big. You know what? It's, there's a place for that, but there is power in thinking small. To think of Jean in the the, the apartment building, or the person uh, who's going to receive your Christmas card or your carrot cake or your one-minute video. I mean, they're not changing the world. None of us is changing the world. But these simple acts are changing one heart and one life at a time. So think small. So think, who can I touch today? Because think about it. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you will encounter scores of people, literally scores of people. And do you think about the impact that you, as an individual, can have on each of those people in some simple way through the course of the day. Now, some will be more meaningful than others, of course, but nonetheless, you will encounter another of God's creatures, and are you thinking about your power to touch that heart or that life in some way? So so think small and think about the person next to you. Next is to, to think about what your gifts are. And again, think small. It could be a whistle literally or it could be your your cooking ability or it could be your smile or it could be going up to the girl in the hallway who looks sad and being the one who says are you okay i mean that is a great gift and then third is to do something about it because there's find there's develop, and then there's do. My book is titled Find Your Whistle, but ultimately you need to develop whatever your thing is and then do something about it. Don't be passive about it, but actually get out there and do something about it. And we have, we have great plans in Scripture that tell us that we are supposed to do something with our special gifts. And on, um, on palms, on, uh, a, at, uh, at Mass a few months ago, um, there was a reading from 1 Corinthians. And this is it. It says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them in every one. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. Think about that. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. Well, God can't make that benefit happen. You need to make it happen. God has given each of us gifts, and the question is, what are you going to do about it? There's another one that I really like, and this is from 1 Peter. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So it's a powerful mandate from scripture for us to use our gifts to touch hearts, change lives, and to just worry about the person that's next to you and maybe you will change the world because Oakcrest girls go on to do big things. But Oakcrest girls also have the capacity to do little things that are very powerful and meaningful. Mm. So, there, at the end of the Oval Office gig, um, so President Bush Bush said to me, well, do another! Do another! And I whistle another. And he said, well, do another. And I said, well, I don't want to overdo it. And he said, well, I'll let you know when I've had enough. And <laughs> so I said, okay. And he said, well, do us one, do one to get us going for the day. So this is uh, what I whistle for uh, President George W. Bush in the Oval Office. It's Battle Hymn of the Republic. go. Thank you. Thank you very much. So now go find your whistle. Thank you.